Thank you for tuning in to the 174th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Also, 247 Sports. I want to thank you guys for tuning in as well. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always. Going to have a great podcast for all you guys today. Going to have Cody Felger on, host of the Bring the Juice podcast uh covers everything indianapolis colts and we have a great conversation we talked about uh we at the end actually we got into peyton manning tom brady uh how many rings would brady have to win for in cody's mind for brady to surpass manning we also talk about the indianapolis colts from jacoby Brissett. you know how he views him as a long-term starter in the league the carson Wentz, obviously carson Wentz going to philadelphia how it kind of all ended in philadelphia then how frank reich can kind of develop carson Wentz, the head coaching of frank reich itself uh obviously nick serini who was the oc for the colts last year he's now with the eagles we talk about that we also get into the fact that their defensive coordinator is going to be a hot head coaching candidate in the years to come we dive into a lot of stuff indianapolis colts will get into jonathan taylor uh, running back in Wisconsin last year, finished top five in the NFL in rushing. So we get into a lot of great NFL stuff, cold stuff, a little bit of other some NFL tidbits that I think will be very interesting. And we talked about teams in the AFC South as well. So uh, you guys will definitely enjoy the interview, definitely enjoy the conversation. I did. But before we get to that, I do want to say this. This is your first time listening to the podcast. Thank you. I'm going to do this quickly because it was suggested to me to do this quickly. Subscribe and follow right now, whichever uh, podcasting platform you are listening to. Also, what I'm going to ask you guys to do, share this podcast, whether it be on Facebook groups, uh, Reddit message boards, all that, friends, family, etc. We're putting out great content about the NBA, NFL, college football, three days uh, a week. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find the YouTube channel. Uh, My syndicate podcast, Outside the Shop, airs on there almost every day. I do draft profile stuff. Follow my Twitter at Nitrate underscore Lane. And lastly... And most importantly, leave a five-star review if you have Apple or iTunes. And for some odd reason, if you don't like my podcast, it's like, how the hell could that happen? Then take a page from what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And without ado, kind of next up at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to Cody Felder, kind of next up at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a special guest with us today, Cody Felger. He covers uh, the Indianapolis Colts and has his own podcast called Bring the Juice Podcast, where he talks about everything Indianapolis Colts. How you doing, Cody? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on again. I'm happy to have you on again, too. I haven't had you on. like I think it's probably been uh, around a year. So first, what I do want to ask you is this uh so the colts they made one of the big moves of this kind of nfl offseason 
bringing in Carson Wentz. I, I just kind of know what are your thoughts of that move? Because it's a potential move that could kind of sway sway the pendulum in the AFC South. Right, definitely. Um, you know, I will say this. It, definitely people are very opinionated on this. Um, I'm more on the belief in Frank Reich and in this coaching staff that they can get the best out of Carson Wentz. I mean, their track record has shown, at least at the quarterback position with what they've been given, um, they've been able to get the best out of people. I mean, even Andrew Luck, like, he had one of his better seasons with Frank Reich in the one year that they were together. Um, Jacoby Brissett was playing pretty decent before that injury. And then Phillip Rivers, you know, 2019, everybody said, is he washed up? Is he done? Look what happened, right? And, you know, they, they had him have a pretty solid season. So, overall, I, I like the move, um, you know, for, especially for the price point that you had to give. Like, I know I was kind of on board, like, getting Matthew Stafford, but not for that price, what, what the Rams gave up, and they kind of surprised everybody, which, you know, if it works and, and if they win, then obviously they, they won't regret that. But I think for where the Colts were, it made the most logical sense with the history of Frank Reich, with really not having to give up a ton for a potential franchise quarterback. I mean, people talk about how he had such a bad 2020 season, you know, for good reason, but... They seem to forget all the other seasons that he's been around. He's really been a good quarterback. And in 2017, he was an MVP quarterback. So, overall, I was a fan of the move. At first, I didn't really know how to feel. But I think more and more understanding kind of the situation that he was in last year with Philadelphia, um, which is uncertainty. And, I mean, obviously, like, the head coach was fired. And people aren't the biggest fans. Eagles fans that I know aren't the biggest fans of their GM, Howie Roseman. So, Overall, uh, to answer your question, I'm a fan of this move um, for what you give up. I mean, it's not like trading the farm to get a quarterback. Like, if you w- would want to trade up and get a quarterback you know, earlier than that, you're going to have to probably give up a good amount of draft capital as well. So, overall, I- I'm a fan of the move. Well, I guess, because Carson, and you do mention, he does have a track record of success. I think people forget his, well, I forget what year it was, 2017 maybe it was his, uh, the MVP year where, where, you know, he was leading the NFL in touchdown passes. Everything was going well. But I guess sometimes part of me, I think, is is it possible that he was that good or that Eagles team was that good? Because if you remember, they brought in Nick Foles, and then all of a sudden they blow out Minnesota in the uh, NFC Championship game, and then Nick Foles is out gunning Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So I think, is it not possible that, that Eagles team was just really good and it kind of didn't matter? You know, they had Doug Peterson, uh, the, you know, Frank Wright was there, that they were just in a feng shui that like they were going to win no matter who was under center, that it wasn't necessarily a Wentz thing. Sure, and I get that to a point for sure. Like, I understand. Yeah, the Eagles were a really dang talented team that year, and they were healthy as well, which I think also went, you know can go to the argument for Carson Wentz because it's like the Eagles that just were beat up so much, especially that, that season. I believe it was 2019, 2018 or 2019, when – he basically willed that team to a playoff spot. Like, and he had nobody around him because everybody was injured. Um, so I get both sides of it. Yeah, I do. I totally understand that respect. That Eagles team was really good. I mean, obviously, you can win with the backup quarterback and, and win the Super Bowl. Um, but also, just looking at what Carson Wentz was able to do, I mean, people will freak out and say, you know, when you make this comparison. But, like, even T.Y. Hilton made it when he said he has Carson Wentz has Andrew Luck type of traits. Right? He has that kind of stuff where he can make a playoff script. He has the arm uh, to do stuff. And I've been watching a little bit on him just on, you know, from his time with the Eagles. You know, there is some, there's good, there's bad, but ultimately what I see is there's a guy that can make some incredible throws that a lot of other quarterbacks in this league 
can't make or won't make, and you know, make of that as you will. But uh, so I get both sides of it, but I still think Carson Wentz showed that he can be one of the top quarterbacks in the league when he's had the pieces around him, uh, and also when he doesn't have the pieces around him, he can still lead you to you know a playoff berth. So uh, I get both sides of it, but yeah, that is a really good point that you brought up. And actually, I like when you mentioned that, that comparison to him and Andrew. Like, I think they actually kind of just physically, how, how both of them look, you know, they're not super fast guys, but they're fast enough. They're strong, thick guys in the pocket. Like, I actually I actually do kind of like that that comparison between both of them, actually. Uh, but, you know, I, I you know, it actually turns even the negative, too, in terms of just injuries, too. And, and, you know, maybe sometimes both of those guys can turn over the football. But what I do want to ask you is this. What kind of killed the Eagles last year was the fact that Carson Wentz, he was throwing a lot of interceptions. He was fumbling the football. That is the one way in the NFL, no matter what team you have, no matter you know what you're doing. If you turn over the football, you're not going to win. How do you think Frank Reich and Co. can kind of rein that in and make sure that you know he's not turning the football over because you don't want to do that and put your defense on a short field consistently? Right, for sure. And I'll go back to the – obviously, they're different quarterbacks, but I'll go back to Phillip Rivers. Uh, the year previous, he threw, what, 20 interceptions? He cut that out to, like, what, 10 or 11? Like, so Frank Reich has had a history uh, – of having and allowing his quarterbacks and, and teaching his quarterbacks to make smart decisions with the football, um, and I think that that is the reason why like that doesn't concern me as much because there's questions about this. You, you know, people would ask me that question last year, like the 20 interceptions. Oh man, that's a big deal, which it is. But like, having kind of seeing what Frank Reich did, right? It kind of makes me a little bit more confident. Like, okay, you know, we're we're going to be able to to figure this out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think RPOs are certainly going to play into it for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he Frank Reich even said they're going to use a lot more RPOs with Carson Wentz. So I think, you know, just having – and also just having a running game is going to help cut down on that as well because he's not going to have to play hero ball all the time, right, like he did last year. Uh, that's kind of what Phillip Rivers had to do when basically the Chargers were going down and with all those injuries, he kind of had to try to will that team to win, and he threw a lot more interceptions. So that's kind of my thoughts on – on maybe why those would go down a little bit. So they got 11 wins with Phillip. And then I assume, I think I think this, I think Carson Wentz is probably better than Phillip Rivers. I don't know if you agree with that. But with now Carson in there, you're going to bring back basically the same team. How many more wins do you think they can get? Ooh, that's a really tricky question. Um, you know, I still think they're capable with that uh, 10 to 11 win. You know, yeah, I do think that, you know, Carson is physically better than Philip Rivers at this point in his career. I mean, obviously, Phil was, you know, immobile, essentially. He was a statue back there last year. But I think there are things that Phil did do better than Carson Wentz has done. Like, he was so good at identifying defenses and putting players in positions. Um, you know, I, it's crazy because I feel like Carson has a higher ceiling than Philip Rivers, but he also has a very much lower floor at that point. Um, so I do think, yeah, right around that, that 10 to 11 wins is kind of where I'm looking for potentially. Uh, for for where the Colts could go, uh, kind of battling out for that AFC South again, probably with Tennessee, honestly. How, how did you feel about Philip Rivers' season last year? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I I was actually a little bit early on. I know fans were kind of freaking out about him a little bit. You know, it wasn't a good start, but you know, I had faith that you know, and and there were certain points where I had you know had to be objective and I had to say Phil's just playing bad. Uh, but I think as the season came around, as guys got healthy, as he began to kind of... Because people forget, the Colts didn't have hardly anything that they normally have, right? They were missing a lot of those things due to not being able to be in the building last year for most of the year. Um, 
So, you know, I thought the year, he, there was a lot of things I expected, but I think at the end of the year, like in that second half of the season especially, I think he kind of exceeded my expectations for where I thought, you know, the Colts could go at this point because a year before that, it looked like he was physically maybe maybe getting up there. You know, he was kind of losing a step. But, you know, overall, uh, I, was, I was impressed with Phillip Rivers about what I expected, but I think he exceeded my expectations just a little bit. Were you shocked at all with his retirement? Or did you think he would run it back another year? I honestly was shocked. Um, I thought that he would come back another year. I mean, that was my my whole thought process with what I was hearing. Yeah, the Colts signed him for one year, obviously. Um, but I kind of thought with the playoff loss, he'd be come back and want to be motivated. You know, and want to play again and try to get that chance at that Super Bowl. So I was very much shocked. Probably, honestly, more shocked than Anthony Costanza retiring. I, I was very shocked that, that Philip Rivers decided to hang it up because of how much we know of how he's a, such a great competitor, how he's such a fierce competitor. He's been that way for the 17 seasons he was in the league. So, yeah, I was a little bit shocked that he decided to hang it up after just one year. So I want to go back to Wentz really quickly. Where do you think this year Wentz can be in terms of being one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Do you think he can, Frank Reich, do you think they can get him to being a top 10-ish quarterback, top 15? Like, like, like where, where, where do you think they can get him to? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think he has a higher ceiling than Phillip Rivers. So I think what was Phillip Rivers, probably about middle of a pack or so. Probably. So I think, I'm just going to be safe because I think he has the ability, right? and I say that very like with a grain of salt, he has the ability to be a top five quarterback. But statistically, and what we saw last year, that would be lunacy for me to say that right now. So I think I'm going to be comfortable with, within the 10 to 15 range right now uh, with Carson Wentz because there are some things that you don't like still um, that you can't just run to the rug and say, oh, it was just all the Eagles' fault because it was Carson Wentz's fault in a lot of ways as, as well. So I think 10 to 15, if you can get him, that's kind of the one thing I'm like, I just want Carson Wentz to be playing as good and maybe a little bit better than Phillip Rivers, because when he when Philip Rivers was playing well, we were one of the hottest teams. The Colts were one of the hottest teams in the NFL. They could beat any person on any given day, and they could also lose about any person on any given day. So uh, I, I'm going to stick with that 10 to 15 range, probably. In terms of Frank Reich, and it sounds like you have a lot of faith in Frank, where do you think Frank is in terms of head coaches in the NFL? Yeah, um... Because he's a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot. I feel like he's a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot when they talk about some of the better coaches. Right. Well, I think the thing holding him back is sometimes there there's a lot of fans who have called for play calling, which I think that is a little bit overblown. Like, I think fans just kind of, that's their default is to blame the head coach whenever, you know, a play doesn't work or, or an offense, the offense is struggling for a game or two. Um, but I honestly think Frank Reich is a top 10 coach. I do. I think there are things, obviously, he can work on uh, with, in terms of play calling um, and stuff like that. And, and, and there's just some other, like, questionable things I've had at certain points where, you know, it's like – and it got a little bit better as the season went on. But, like, for example, like, riding the hot hand. Uh, like, even in that Pittsburgh game, it was kind of shocking to me how the Colts offense went from being super hot to just all of a sudden, like, just didn't hardly – couldn't hardly do anything in the second half. It was just really weird how that happened. So – and, you know, you can blame that on a lot of people, but I think ultimately it does come back to the head coach. Um, and I know players didn't execute at certain certain points. Like the Buffalo game, I don't blame on him. I don't blame that loss on him at all. I don't say they lost that game in spite of Frank Wright. I say they lost that game just because they didn't execute. So 
So I'm, it's, it, it's important for me and it's important for fans to walk that fine line of, of what I said, like execution versus blaming the play caller. Um, so I do think Frank Reich is an underrated coach still. Um, and I think also people don't factor this in as well. The fact that this is Frank Reich's, what, like fifth quarterback or something like that, because you got Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Phillip Rivers, and then uh, who, who am I missing? I guess you can count maybe Brian Hoyer in there as well within that season when Brissett got, got injured. So this is like his fourth or fifth quarterback in like four seasons. So if that tells you anything right there, um, it'll be hopefully this will kind of help that go away a little bit or help mask that a little bit. Uh, just having a quarterback that is going to be there for more than one season. Now, also, what I do want to ask you is this: so you kind of mentioned that Bills game. It was twenty-four to twenty-one, if I remember correctly. Oh, I don't have it in front of me. 20, no, 20, yeah. 20, something like this, something like we're really close. We're really close. Really close. I didn't thought either teams played particularly well that game, uh, but. When you look at that and you see how far the Bills go, they end up going to the AFC Championship game. How close do you think the Colts really are to competing with those teams in the AFC? Yeah, um, this is a very interesting question. And ultimately, yeah, it does fall on the quarterback of he's going to play. But I think if he can play, like we said, like 10 to 15, if they can get a little bit more help at pass rush um, and maybe get another playmaking tight end or something like that. And, you know, these are all things I think that we – it's hard to predict without knowing how their draft is, you know what I mean? So, uh, But I do think that if they do get a left tackle, which obviously they need one, that's probably priority number one, uh, they get a little bit more help at pass rush, or maybe one of those young guys they drafted the last couple of years finally develops into something, and maybe if they get a little bit of help in like the secondary with the corner, uh, I think this team honestly uh, is, is close. I think they are very much close. Uh, it, it's kind of telling, like, Ballard's first year here, he signed, like, 15 free agents. And this year, he signed, like, three and brought back a bunch of his own guys. I mean, he makes his money in the draft. I mean, the Colts had, from PFF's ranking, the best draft last year. I mean, last two out of three years, Ballard's had the best draft out of anybody. So, I, I mean, depending on what positions we draft, I think it'll kind of change my answer a little bit. But I do think that they showed, like I said, with Philip Rivers, that they can literally go toe-to-toe with the number two seed. Like, they can go to toe-to-toe with anybody. Um, and with, you know, just with the running game and bringing back Marlon Mack, I mean, I would argue the Colts have the best trio of backs in the league. And I think, you know, they, they are definitely up there with Nick Chubb and, and uh, Kareem Hunt for that best running back duo. Um, so, yeah, I, I really think the Colts are, are close. Um, you know, depending if Carson Wentz can get back to even that 2019 form, I think they're very close. For you, is Kansas City still the standard in the AFC? I think so. I think they have to be. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, like, it, it's run through Kansas City the last few years. And so I do think so, even though Buffalo does have a good team. Even though there's a lot of really good young teams in the AFC, I think it has to run through Kansas City, I mean, yeah. I mean, the crazy thing about the Chiefs is, I mean, in the divisional round, I mean, they beat the Browns and Patrick Mahomes with Chad Henney in the fourth quarter. <laughs> And, and then they played the Bills, and I think the, the, that game kind of got out of hand towards the end. Like, <laughs> Yeah, which I think is kind of critical to why I was like, the Colts need to do something at quarterback. Like, they need to make do some move like getting Carson Wentz because like you have all these young, great quarterbacks, and I'm like, you can't run it back. With, like You might have run it back with Phil Rivers, but I'm kind of like, I would rather just 
hopefully you'll give yourself a chance to compete with some of these teams. So the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles was Nick Serini last year. Now he's the head coach. I mean, for the Indianapolis Colts, now he's going to be the head coach yeah. for the Eagles. How do you yeah. like that? Like, like, what's your thoughts on him? Do you think he's going to be a good head coach? Do you think he's overrated? Like, like, what's your thought on him? It's tricky with Nick Sirianni because he just didn't call plays last year. He wasn't the primary play caller. I know it's kind of interesting how that whole, that whole thing worked, right? Like, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator. He didn't technically call plays. And now he's calling plays. And now Nick Sirianni's not because like, he didn't call plays. Uh, but I think that's obviously the biggest concern. I'm just kind of wondering, man, uh, just the Eagles organization kind of seems like it's a mess right now. I mean, even still, like not 100% sure if they're going to commit to Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of crazy to me. Like, And I feel bad because Nick Sirianni is a good guy. I think he's a good, he's a very bright mind. Um, it's just, I was honestly shocked that like the Eagles hired him uh, just because he doesn't, he only has a couple of years of experience as offensive coordinator, not even calling plays. So, I mean, overall, I like Nick Sirianni. I thought he was a really good coach for us. Um, but I was a little bit surprised. I think it all depends, honestly, on, on the front office with Philadelphia. And if, if they can get some players around him, I think Nick Sirianni can, can do a really good job of putting those players in the positions to win. Um, and I think I really like Nick Sirianni, like I said. But it's just hard, man, with that organization to kind of gauge where they're at right now. Yeah, and I thought something that was weird about it with the Eagles hired him because, like, I guess the whole thing with the Eagles wanted to do, they kind of want to get rid of the, the Doug Peterson era, but y- you hired, you know, like Frank Wright from Doug Peterson's tree, and Nick is from Frank Wright's tree, so it's kind of like you're, you're going around town, but you said you want to get rid of Doug Peterson. To me, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't understand the Eagles. I'm just going to say that. Like, you fired a guy to go from the same tree. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do, and when you mention he's a bright mind, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, I mean, like I even saw like with the Colts and with what they do. I mean, obviously Frank's calling the plays, but Nick obviously has a big factor into that. Like, I think they're very creative in, in certain ways, uh, and they were really good about uh, utilizing guys' strengths. Like with Eric Ebron a few years ago, he had what like thirteen to fifteen touchdowns or something crazy like that. Never has had that near production. Now you can say Andrew Luck was a factor, which obviously he was a big factor. But the Colts do a really good job of putting their players in very good positions and not making them do things that they're not good at. You know, And I think Nick Sirianni is going to do the same thing with Philadelphia. He's going to play to Jalen Hurts' strengths, play to some of Because the Eagles do actually have some, some nice pieces there, um, you know, with, with Miles Sanders, uh, with Jalen Rager. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, I think Nick Sirianni has some stuff to work with. And uh, I'm excited to just see how he utilizes those guys because I think he will identify which guys will put in which positions. And uh, I think the Eagles, I think they actually will be a lot better on offense just because I think Nick Sirianni will, uh, you know, just upgrade that automatically with his play calling. Yeah, and well, what I do think is interesting too, and what I do want you to explain is this because I think sometimes fans they kind of when they see somebody get hired, they're always like, "Did he call the plays?" And you kind of alluded to this, like, "Does this person call the offensive plays? This call the person call the defensive plays?" And it's like if you say no, then they're kind of like, "What exactly is was that person doing? Like, why are we hiring them?" So can you just kind of kind of elaborate, like, what is Nick doing on a day to day, or just if you have any insight into that in terms of if he's not calling plays, like, where's his value? Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously, like, the day-to-day stuff that no fans see, right? Yeah. Like, 
and he is he would be talking with Frank Reich, and they, they design plays together, right? They do all that stuff together. It's just technically, yeah. and I, I do agree, I think sometimes it's overblown, yeah. uh, but technically Frank's the one calling the plays, but you know, I don't think it'd be much different if Nick wasn't technically calling the plays either, um, because they, I think they kind of do it in tandem, right? They do it together, and uh, and so I think yeah, Nick Sirianni is the big reason why their offense was so so good and so successful. And so it was a bummer to lose them for sure. Um, but yeah, I think if that kind of explains a little bit, like it's more behind the scenes with that. Um, and I think he obviously is working with the other position coaches as well, right? Like because he's the offensive coordinator, uh, so he's working with all these other guys as well on um, things that that aren't being seen and we don't want really to talk about, but he does do a lot. He will do he, he will do the same thing as the head coach. In terms of Jacoby Brissett, because he left too and he's with the Dolphins now, I believe. Uh was it better sweat better sweet seeing Jacoby go? Uh a little bit because he's such a great guy, such a great locker room presence. But honestly, wasn't too torn up about it because he's not going to be a star. He's not going to be. He wasn't going to start in Indianapolis, obviously. And I just don't think he's that great of a quarterback. Honestly, I think he's a nice backup, but I think that's about all he is. Um, but from a locker room standpoint, it certainly sucks to see him go. Like him and another guy, Anthony Walker, who went to Cleveland. Like those guys, you love to have them in your locker room. But you know, the sad reality is, it's a business, and these guys can be easily replaced. And so. That's why it's kind of bittersweet a little bit because I, I get it, but also like seeing these guys be drafted or traded to you and watching them grow, um, it certainly sucks to, to let those guys go. But you know it is for the best, and you know maybe who knows maybe Jacoby, this is Jacoby's chance to, to go out and compete for a starting spot. I mean we we don't really know with Tua what's going to happen there. I mean we think he's going to be potentially a pretty good quarterback, but he's still fairly young. Maybe Jacoby gets a shot if he's struggling down the stretch. So I get it at the same point. And I want him to get the opportunity to start if he really feels like he should be a starter somewhere. But you don't think um, he's a so starter in the league? You don't think he's a... I, I do not. No, I think at best, he's probably a... If he is a starter, he's probably like a spot starter, like a bridge type of guy. That's kind of where I would say his feeling is, uh, in my opinion, for Jacoby Brissett. So... Now what I do is I do want to have to ask you this. So, Jonathan Taylor, he ended up coming on strong towards the end of the season and kind of becoming kind of a workhorse back for the team. I just want to know what your thoughts were of him uh, in total because there was a lot of hype, hype about this guy coming out of Wisconsin. I think he had multiple 1,000-yard rushing seasons there, and then he comes in, and then he ends up quietly. I think he finished top five in rushing in the NFL. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like, last year around, you know, around the draft time and that happened, my jaw was wide open when I saw the Colts selected a running back. I'll just say that. Like, I was like, why? We have Marlon Mack. We have Naheem Hines. But it worked out because Marlon Mack went down that Achilles, and, and Jonathan Taylor really was – I think he was third in rushing at the end of the day behind, I think. I don't remember. I know Henry, obviously, but I don't remember the second one. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of Jonathan Taylor, it was very interesting to watch his progression and his confidence grow uh, as the season progressed. I mean – he wasn't the starter coming in. Marlon Mack was the starter. I mean, that's kind of how I thought it was going to go, right? I thought Mack was going to start, take the bulk of the snaps early, and then Jonathan Taylor was going to be sprinkled in there, and then eventually, maybe you know, down the stretch, he was going to take over that starting spot. Well, it came a lot quicker than anybody expected. Um, and Taylor, and I think that's the reason why it was just like, you know, Taylor didn't have any OTAs. He didn't have 
a lot of the off-season program. I think it kind of maybe hurt some of those rookies a little bit. I mean, obviously they, they performed well, but I think Jonathan Taylor, you know, it, it was it hurt him a little bit uh, to get like a little bit of a jump start because he was struggling for a couple weeks there. Really, like uh, I don't really, I don't know if it was quite the first half of the season, but it was a good chunk of that first half of the season. He really struggled a lot, and then yeah, obviously to, to struggle and, and do all that, and then come in and be the third best rusher at the end of the year. I mean, that tells you something on how good he was. Um, but yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor. He works with Marlon Mack a lot. And one thing I'll say about Marlon Mack, and I'm so glad to have him back because he is probably one of the most patient backs in the NFL. Um, and Jonathan Taylor, I think that was the struggle of his, was he's such a big guy, like he can just plow through guys. But I think Marlon Mack is more methodical in his approach where a lot of times he, he just goes around guys, right? He's just, he's that good. He's so good at doing that. He's such a patient guy, like I said. And, and they, their running styles are so different. And I think, that can help Jonathan Taylor in a lot of ways, um, honestly, if he can continue to develop that patience. Um, and I think he really just got a lot better at, you know, breaking tackle, like the broken tackle yardage. Um, he was really struggling with that early, but he, he really came on strong with at the end of the year. I mean, he had a, what, 150-yard game, then a 200-yard game. I mean, he was just going crazy for a while there. And so uh, I really was impressed with Jonathan Taylor. And like I said earlier, I think the Colts have one of the best running back rooms in, in the NFL, bar none. Like, I think it's they, they're very, very good, and they're very unique in all their skill sets. Like, all these guys have different skill sets, and I think that is going to be so, so important and so helpful to Carson Wentz in this offense. So, in terms of teams in the AFC South, and just kind of captivate this for me for a second, which team do you hate the most out of all of the rival teams in the division? <laughs> It kind of varies, honestly, depending who's like challenging the Colts at that point. I mean, right now it has to be Tennessee. Um, it's, it's infuriating to me because I'm like, it's because of Derrick Henry, they're so dang good. Like, it's annoying. <laughs> Tannehill's a decent starter, I would say, maybe a, maybe above average. Um, and they have some good receivers and stuff. But, like, I'd say, I think, if you take away Derrick Henry, if Derrick Henry was to go down for a game, this Titans offense would be completely lost. I mean, honestly. Uh, and, he, and it sucks because he's so dang good, uh, but I just hate it. Like, even last year when we when the Colts played Tennessee the second time and, like, we had a bunch of players out with COVID, and they knew it. All they did was run the ball with Derrick Henry. We couldn't stop them. Uh, so, for that reason, I just hate Tennessee because I don't feel like they're that great of a team, but because of what Derrick Henry does and how great of a player he is, uh, they're consistently good and they're consistently in the hunt every year. Yeah, you mentioned the Colts. Like, Derrick Henry's a monster. Like, just when you're on a Sunday and you know you're playing the the, the, the Titans, like, what are you thinking? Like, oh, my God, how are we going to deal with this freaking nature today? Like, you see his workout videos? His workout videos are insane. I'm like, is he human? Yeah, right. But I do think, honestly, and, you know, Titans fans, whoever listen to this might come from my head, but I don't really care. I've had it before. Um, but I do think, like, with running backs, they're – their lifespan's a lot shorter than most players. Like, I think with the way that Derrick Henry runs, eventually it's going to not work, right? Eventually it's going to catch up to him, I feel like. And that's why I'm kind of like, I'm not banking on Tennessee, like, being a contender for the next five to ten years because I feel like it's going to catch up with them. And they don't really have a whole lot of support. Like, I feel like the Colts are so balanced in what they do, like their offensive line, their running game. Um, You know, their defense is pretty good. Like, 
Tennessee, I wouldn't really say like their defense is that great, honestly. Now, they did add some guys, so we'll see how that Oh, this year they couldn't rush the passer at all. Tennessee's defense was awful. And then they just got torched. Like, their secondary wasn't that great. Uh, you know, we could run on them at will, like all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I do feel like the Colts are set up for success longer than the Titans are right now. Honestly, I would say maybe even, maybe this is crazy, maybe even Jacksonville set up down the road, not right now, obviously, because Jacksonville was terrible last year. But I feel like they're more set up with, with the players that they have moving forward than maybe a Tennessee is. We'll see how it goes, obviously. But, but yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on Tennessee and Derrick Henry. I just don't like it because I'm like, I don't like it right now, but I think in the future it'll, it'll work itself out. So the team you hates the, the second most, was that the Jaguars or is it the Texans? Probably the Jaguars just because we can never beat them in Jacksonville, and I don't know why it's infuriating to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> like even this year, this last year, they won one game, and that was against us um, in week one. And for whatever reason, it's like it's kind of like when New England goes to Miami. Oh, like, yeah. They can't, like sometimes they do, but a lot of times, like my friend's a Patriots fan, he says, yeah, even when we're like 12 and 4, we finished 12 and 4, Miami's like 3 and 13. We cannot win in Miami, and I don't know why. And that's becoming a trend with the Colts in Jacksonville, where it's just like, no matter if we're a playoff team like we were last year, Jacksonville's a one-win team, their number one overall pick, we still can't beat them. It's just, it's crazy to me. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. What was your reaction? Because that was week one, I believe. That was Because everybody thought Jacksonville was going to be the worst team in the league, and then they beat the Colts. Everybody's like, what the hell's going on here? Like, like what was your thinking watching that game? Because this is week one. Everybody's jacked up for their team. Right, I know. Uh, I was frustrated as can be, and I was like, why are we doing this? Why are we playing like this? Why can't our defense not stop Gardner Minshew? Like, it was just, it was frustrating. Really, really frustrating. Um, and then, you know, people were like, oh, maybe Jacksonville will actually be decent this year. And then they finished with one win, and I'm like, okay, no. That was just a really terrible game. I will say, though, I was okay with it because uh, you know, there's a lot of new faces. We were learning. Like, I feel like if that would have been like any other, if it would have been like second half of the season, I feel like we would have blown them out. Honestly, um, it just so happened to coincide with, with all that stuff, all those factors, all the new faces. Uh, but still, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse it. It was terrible. It was a terrible loss. But um, I think that may be my only kind of <laughs> remedy for that. Now, in terms of they're in Jacksonville, they're going to get uh, Trevor Lawrence, probably they have Urban Meyer there. How good do you think that combination is going to be? Do you think that's going to be something to watch out for? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know how I feel. I, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback, I feel like, but we've seen this before, right? It feels like Jacksonville, if they draft well, then a few years later it blows up in their face. Like, so until Jacksonville proves me wrong and gets talent around Trevor Lawrence and protects him well, I can't I can't put a ton of faith in that. Honestly, as good as Trevor Lawrence might be, like with some of these bad organizations, you see why they stay bad. And Jacksonville has historically the last decade been a very bad team. I mean, beyond a few good years there, but overall they've had a very bad track history, even with number one overall picks. And the last team would be the Houston Texans. So do you just not mind Houston because they're just that inept? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, Deshaun Watson, I, as a Colts fan, as I would play against him, it's frustrating. Like, we almost lost because of Deshaun Watson last year, essentially. 
but now with everything coming out and he, you know, with the legal stuff, I'm not going to get into that, but even then, he's not wanting to stay in Houston. Like, Houston right now is just, they're nothing in my opinion. Like, I think they're going to be bad for a while. Um, doesn't seem like the organization is very well run at all. And, you know, we we beat them twice this last year. So, not really concerned about Houston, honestly, at this point. If they had Deshaun Watson, certainly I'd be, I'd be kind of watching out for him still. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even like last year with the trading of DeAndre Hopkins, like that was the start of the end, I think. <laughs> uh, it was kind of – it was crazy. I couldn't believe that they actually did that. Like I still can't believe they traded him for basically nothing. Did you think could, – could you have imagined that Deshaun would have ended up requesting a trade? Like legal stuff aside, but in terms of him just requesting a trade, could you have imagined that that would happen this soon? Because I feel like that's shocking. He just signed – a long-term deal with them. Then he's like, you know what? Peace. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's. I kind of don't blame him, honestly, um, because you had all this talent around him. You were a playoff team a few years ago, and then you're basically taking away his talent. You're taking away the guy that, that he likes to throw to. and uh, Yeah, so it takes away draft capital, so you can't really build. So I don't blame him at all for wanting to get out and get to an organization that just is a quarterback away. I, I don't blame him one bit. I wouldn't want to be in Houston if I was him. Yeah, that team was really, really, really bad. Probably going to challenge for the number one overall pick next year. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Now, what I do want to ask you is this. Uh I want to go back to the coaching because I want to talk about Matt Eberflus for a second. He's a guy that a lot of people have talked about. Potentially, he could be a head coach in the NFL. He's a pretty mm-hmm. good defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I don't love the scheme. I'm going to be honest. I don't <laughs> love uh, yeah, just just the whole scheme. I'm not a big fan of. Uh, but Eberflus, I do I do love the the whole idea of like lopes and stuff, where basically. Uh, like they review film and, and like if somebody's taking a playoff, like they don't, you know, they, they get charged with a load. So they really pride themselves on playing hard every play. And you see that with the defense. I mean, they really, they really do um, pride themselves on doing that. And they pride themselves on taking the ball away. I mean, I mean, literally Indianapolis won against Houston twice because they forced a fumble. And I like that. I like it a very opportunistic defense. But I think the scheme is just going to hold them back, honestly. They don't love it. I don't. And, and for that scheme to work, you have to have an elite pass rush. And the Colts don't right now. I mean, DeForest Buckner is incredible. He's probably the best, second-best defensive tackle free technique in the league right now, I would argue. But right now, at edge, they just don't have a whole lot. And if you want that to work well, you got to have consistent guys coming off the edge, and you have to have probably a top-ten rush, uh, pass rush. And I just don't think the Colts are there right now. Uh, so, you know, overall, I like Matty Recluse. As, as a coach, I just don't love his scheme. Do you think he's a guy that we could see potentially getting a head coaching job next off season? I, I do. I, I really, I thought he was going to get one this season. Honestly, I was kind of surprised that he didn't, and Nick Sirianni did. Um, but I do think he's a guy that's head coach material. I, I'm actually shocked that he stayed with Indianapolis this long. And lastly, the last question I want to ask you is this: uh, so. Tom Brady gets his seventh ring. I think last time I had you on the podcast, you said you were still on Team Peyton in terms of who's the GOAT. Does the seventh ring sway you at all? At all? I mean, good grief. Look at his team. (laughs) He basically had, like, when Antonio Brown's your fourth bet, your fourth target, I mean, your offense is pretty good. (laughs) That that is? (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like if he didn't win, 
would that take away from his legacy? I'm just kidding, but you know what I mean. Like that team was that good. Yeah. I mean, Scotty Miller, he's the forgotten guy. Nobody talks about him, and I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I know they have like so many weapons, and they have Shaq Barrett, who is just an incredible pass rusher, and their defense was good. Like they had like everything they needed to succeed. So, and their offensive line like was fantastic. So, yeah, Tampa Bay is certainly set up well, and that's kind of like why I feel like maybe going back to the Colts, why they can compete because they have kind of similar pieces and they have an offensive line. I think pass rush, obviously, they need to do, but I feel like they have the formula to do what the Bucks did. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and it was pretty simple. We're just going to keep hitting Patrick Mahomes over and over again. And, the, <laughs> and, yeah. and eventually, hopefully, hopefully that works. So I assume you're still not going to budge on Brady being the GOAT. You know, I don't think I ever will, honestly. And even if it's like it's so clear and obvious to me. If, so even if he gets another one, even if he gets another one. <laughs> how, okay, how about well, this? I don't know. How many would he have to win? How many rings would he have to win? Because he's at seven right now. So if he gets ten, are you gonna be like, okay, ten? Like, uh, I don't know if I can argue with ten. But, <laughs> he's like, but still, you know, Tom Brady. In my heart, he, He'll be number one. T- t- Tom Brady's like Jason. He just won't die. <laughs> Jason from the... <laughs> Did you ever imagine, like, that... Pay- I mean, because Peyton was up for the Hall of Fame nomination. Like, that... Yeah. Like, like, and these are guys that, like... They were in the same era. That Brady is still playing. And, like, like I don't know. I mean, he's borderline maybe a top-ten quarterback. But he's still a competent quarterback you can win with. Like, he did 40 touchdowns. Like, are you just shocked that Brady is still, like, a legit guy in the NFL and Payton's just, like, doing commercials now? Like. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. But also kind of looking at. There was an injury that Payton had. Yeah. That's kind of why the Colts let him go. Um, that he got surgery on. Like, Brady obviously had the ACL. But that's a lot different. Peyton had, like, with the neck and all that kind of stuff. That's a little bit more of a scary injury as well. Um, and I think Peyton kind of just went out. Yeah, I think he had – and he has, I feel like, Peyton, he's such a uh, charismatic guy. Like, I feel like he just had so many other opportunities as well. And when you're not playing well, I think, you know, Brady, it just hasn't dropped off for him yet. And in that capacity where it's very clear and obvious. I mean, I think it has, but, yeah, you know what I mean. So – I am still shy and shocked that he's still doing it, but you know, like like I said, when you have that kind of team around you, it kind of helps. That is, I'm just shocked how he's been able to outlast all these guys, even Breeze. Like, right. like Philip Rivers oh. retired. I mean, you see how bad Ben Roethlisberger? Like, he's the same age as all these guys, and he's like the oldest. It's unheard of, honestly. If and I and I, and I do think this is interesting too with, with Peyton. Do you think Peyton, could you see Peyton being, because people talk about, you know, will, will he be in the Monday Night Booth eventually? Will he do broadcasting? Uh, will he be a GM? I've heard someone told me that he should be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh, what do you think, what could you see Peyton doing? Do you think he'd be good at all those things? Is he being a head coach, GM, broadcaster? What do you think's in the cards for Peyton? What would you like to see him do? I'd love to see him be a broadcaster because I think he's like, obviously he's super bright and, you know, he's, funny he's charismatic like i said i personally would love to see him be a broadcaster but i honestly think he could do whatever he wanted to because like he's one of the smartest guys he's one of the smartest guys in nfl history i mean he changed the game like so you know selfishly i don't want to see him go to another team uh but i I think he could do anything honestly 
Yeah, and a lot of people don't talk about him being a, a coach, but I had a friend who mentioned, he's like, why doesn't Peyton just be a head coach? Like, he, like, revolutionized the audible. He's such a smart guy. Like, why wouldn't he be your offensive guru? He was the he was basically the OC anyway. <laughs> oh, I, exactly, that's true. <laughs> I, I mean, I, and I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he personally wants to go through the grind like that, but, I mean, I was like, why Why not? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe eventually he will be. I mean, I think it's good for him right now to just kind of enjoy retirement, you know, and just kind of enjoy what he's doing, kind of like what Pat McAfee did a little bit, where, yeah, he's still talking about football, he still does stuff around that, but, like, he's just enjoying his retirement and, like, being with his family and all that stuff. So, uh, I yeah, I, I credit the guy, man. He had a great career, and, and I'm happy that, that he's enjoying stuff outside of football now. Uh, just in life, but yeah, I would love to see him come back in some capacity. Cody, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me. And once again, I want to thank Cody Felker for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 174th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.